0: part 3 of roxana by daniel defoe this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org i was not for the first night or two at all surprised no nor very much the first week or two believing that if anything evil had befallen them, I should soon enough have heard of that, but also knowing that as he had two servants and three horses with him, it would be the strangest thing in the world that anything could befall them all, but that I must some time or other hear of them. But you will easily allow that as time run on a week, two weeks, a month, Two months and so on I was dreadfully frighted at last, the more when I looked into my own circumstances, and considered the condition in which I was left, with five children and not one farthing subsistence for them, other than about seventy pound in money and what few things of value I had about me, which though considerable in themselves were yet nothing to feed a family, and for a length of time too. What to do I knew not, nor to whom to have recourse. To keep in the house where I was I could not, the rent being too great, and to leave it without his order, if my husband should return, I could not think of that neither, so that I continued extremely perplexed, melancholy, and discouraged to the last degree. I remained in this dejected condition near a 12 My husband had two sisters who were married, and lived very well and some other near relations that I knew of, and I hoped would do something for me, and I frequently sent to these to know if they could give me any account of my vagrant creature, but they all declared to me in answer that they knew nothing about him, and after frequent sending began to think me troublesome, and let me know they thought so too. By their treating my maid with very slight and unhandsome returns to her inquiries. This grated hard, and added to my affliction, but I had no recourse but to tears, for I had not a friend of my own left me in the world. Before this elopement of my husband, that the disaster I mentioned above befell my brother, who broke and that in such bad circumstances that I had the mortification to hear not only that he was in prison, but that there would be little or nothing to be had by way of composition. Misfortune seldom come alone. This was the forerunner of my husband's flight, and as my expectations were cut off on that side, my husband gone and my family of children on my hands. And nothing to subsist them, my condition was the most deplorable that words can express. I had some plate and some jewels, as might be supposed, my fortune and former circumstances considered, and my husband, who had neither stayed to be distressed, and had not been put to the necessity of rifling me, as husbands usually do in such cases, but as I had seen an end of all the ready-money. During the long time I had lived in a state of expectation for my husband, so I began to make away one thing after another, till those few things of value which I had began to lessen apace, and I saw nothing but misery and the utmost distress before me, even to have my children starve before my face. I leave any one that is a mother of children, and has lived in plenty, in good fashion, to consider and reflect what must be my condition. As to my husband, I had no hope or expectation of seeing him any more, and, indeed, if I had, he was the man of all the men in the world the least able to help me, or to have turned his hand to the gaining one shilling towards lessening our distress he neither had the capacity or the inclination he could have been no clerk for he scarce wrote a legible hand he was so far from being able to write sense that he could not make sense of what others wrote he was so far from understanding good english that he could not spell good english to be out of all business was his delight, and he would stand leaning against a post for half an hour together with a pipe in his mouth, with all the tranquillity in the world, smoking like Dryden's countrymen that whistled as he went for want of thought, and this even when his family was as it were starving, that little he had wasting, and that we were all bleeding to death, he not knowing, and as little considering where to get another shilling when the last was spent. This being his temper, and the extent of his capacity, I confess I did not see so much loss in his parting with me as at first I thought I did, though it was hard and cruel to the last degree in him not giving me the least notice of his design, and indeed that which I was most astonished at was that seeing he most certainly have intended this excursion some few moments at least before he put it in practice. Yet he did not come and take what a little stock of money we had left, or at least a share of it to bear his expense for a little while, and but he did not, and I am morally certain, he had not five guineas with him in the world when he went away. All that I could come to the knowledge of about him was that he had left his hunting horn, which he called the French horn in the stable, and his hunting saddle went away in a handsome furniture, as they call it, which he used sometimes to travel with, having an embroidered housing, a case of pistols and other things belonging to them, and one of his servants had another saddle with pistols, though plain and the other a long gun, so that they did not go out as sportsmen, but rather as travellers. What part of the world they went to I never heard for many years. As I have said, I sent to his relations, but they sent me short and surly answers. Or did any one of them offer to come to see me, or to see the children, or so much as to inquire after them? Well, perceiving that I was in a condition that was likely to be soon troublesome to them. But it was no time now to dally with them, or with the world. I left off sending to them, and went myself among them, laid my circumstances open to them, told them my whole case and the condition I was reduced to, Begged they would advise me what course to take, laid myself as low as they could desire, and entreated them to consider that I was not in a condition to help myself, and that without some assistance we must all inevitably perish. I told them that if I had but one child or two children, I would have done my endeavour to have worked for them with my needle should only have come to them to beg them to help me to some work, that I might get our bread by my labour, but to think of one single woman not bred to work, and at a loss where to get employment, to get the bread of five children, that was not possible, some of my children being young too, and none of them big enough to help one another. It was all one I received, not one farthing of assistance from anybody was hardly asked to sit down at the two sisters houses nor offered to eat and drink at two more near relations the fifth an ancient gentlewoman aunt-in-law to my husband a widow and the least able also of any of the rest did indeed ask me to sit down gave me a dinner and refreshed me with a kinder treatment than any of the rest but added the melancholy part viz that she would have helped me, but that indeed she was not able, which, however, I was satisfied was very true. Here I relieved myself with the constant assistance of the afflicted, I mean tears, for relating to her how I was received by the other of my husband's relations. It made me burst into tears, and I cried vehemently for a great while together. Till I made the good old gentlewoman cry too, several times. However, I came home from them all without any relief, and went on at home till I was reduced to such inexpressible distress that it is not to be described. I had been several times after this at the old aunt's, for I prevailed with her to promise me to go and talk with the other relations at least that, if possible, she could bring some of them to take off the children or to contribute something towards the maintenance, and to do her justice she did use her endeavour with them, but all was to no purpose, for they would do nothing. At least that way, I think, with many entreaties she attained by a kind of collection among them all, about eleven or twelve shillings in money which, though it was a present comfort, was yet not to be named as capable to deliver me from any part of the load that lay upon me. There was a poor woman that had been a kind of dependent upon our family, who had often, among the rest of the relations, been very kind to. My maid put it into my head one morning to send to this poor woman, and to see whether she might not be able to help in this dreadful case i must remember it here to the praise of this poor girl my maid that though i was not able to give her any wages and had told her so nay i was not able to pay her the wages that i was in arrears to her yet she would not leave me nay and as long as she had any money which i had none she would help me out of her own for which though i acknowledged her kindness and fidelity yet it was but a bad coin that she was paid in at last as will appear in its place Amy, for that was her name, put it into my thoughts to send for this poor woman to come to me, for I was now in great distress, and I resolved to do so. But just the very morning that I intended it, the old aunt, with the poor woman in her company, came to see me. The good old gentlewoman was, it seems, heartily concerned for me, and had been talking again among those people to see what she could do for me but to very little purpose. You shall judge a little of my present distress by the posture she found me in. I had five little children. The eldest was under ten years old, and I had not one shilling in the house to buy them victuals, but had sent Amy out with a silver spoon to sell it and bring home something from the butcher's and I was in the parlour, sitting on the ground, with a great heap of old rags, linen and other things about me, looking over them to see if I had anything among them that would sell or pawn for a little money. I had been crying, ready to burst myself, to think what I should do next. At this juncture they knocked at the door. I thought it had been Amy, so I did not rise up, but one of the children opened the door, and they came directly into the room where I was, and where they found me in that posture, and crying vehemently as above. I was surprised at their coming, you may be sure, especially seeing the person I had but just before resolved to send for. But when they saw me, how I looked! my eyes were swelled with crying and what a condition i was in as to the house and the heap of things that were about me and especially when i told them what i was doing and on what occasion they sat down like job's three comforters and said not one word to me for a great while but both of them cried as fast and as heartily as i did the truth was there was no need of much discourse in the case. The thing spoke itself. They saw me in rags and dirt, who was a little before riding in my coach, thin and lacking, almost like one starved, who was before fat and beautiful. A house that was before handsomely furnished with pictures and ornaments, cabinets and pair-glasses, everything suitable, was now stripped and naked, most of the goods being seized by the landlord for rent was sold to buy necessaries. In a word, all was misery and distress. A face of ruin was everywhere to be seen. We had eaten up almost everything, and little remained unless, like one of the pitiful women of Jerusalem, I should eat up my very children themselves. after these two good creatures had sat, as I say, in silence some time, and had then looked about them, my maid Amy came in and brought with her a small breast of mutton and two great bunches of turnips, which she intended to stew for our dinner. As for me, my heart was so overwhelmed at seeing these two friends, for such they were though poor, and at their seeing me in such a condition that I fell into another violent fit of crying, so that in short I could not speak to them again for a great while longer. During my being in such an agony they went to my maid, Amy, at another part of the same room, and talked with her. Amy told them all my circumstances, and set them forth in such in such moving terms, and so to the life, that I could not upon any terms have done it like her myself, and in a word affected them both with it, in such a manner that the old aunt came to me, and though hardly able to speak for tears. Look ye, cousin, said she in a few words, things must not stand thus, some course must be taken, and that forthwith pray where were these children born told to the parish, where we lived before, that four of them were born there, and one in the house where I now was, where the landlord, after having seized my goods for the rent past, not then knowing my circumstances, had now given me leave to live for a whole year more without any rent being moved with compassion, but that this year was now almost expired. Upon hearing this account, They came to this resolution that the children should be all carried by them to the door of one of the relations mentioned above and be set down there by the maid amy that i should remove for some days shut up the doors and be gone that if the people should be told if they think fit not to take some care of the children they might send for the church warden if they think that better They were born in that parish They must be provided for As any other child in the parish That was already taken care of By the three parish officers They were so sensible Of the distress of the family That they had at first were Done what is their part to do This is what these good women proposed And bade me leave the rest to them was at first sadly afflicted at passing on my children, and especially at that terrible thing, their being taken into the parish-keeping, and there a hundred terrible things came into my thoughts, vis of parish children being starved at nurse, Of their being ruined, let to grow crooked, lamed, and the like for want of being taken care of. And this sunk my very heart within me, but the misery of my own circumstances hardened my heart against my own flesh and blood, and when I considered they must inevitably be starved, and I too, if I continued to keep them about me, I began to be reconciled to parting with them all, anyhow, and anywhere, that I might be freed from the dreadful necessity of seeing them all perish, and perishing with them myself. So I agreed to go away, out of the house, and leave the management of the whole matter to my maid, Amy, and to them, and accordingly I did so. The same afternoon they carried them all away, to one of their aunts. End of section 3